to the Yogi Fuel Podcast, the podcast that's all about up-leveling your health, your practice, and your consciousness. We'll be taking the ancient wisdom of yoga and Ayurveda mixed with modern science, having conscious conversations with spiritual thought leaders and alternative health professionals, and sometimes just me sharing my own experiences and knowledge to support you on your spiritual journey. I'm your host, Melissa Singh, and this is the Yogi Fuel Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back. In this episode, I want to talk about why connecting to our food is so important and how I think that cooking our food is such a beautiful way to deeply connect with our food. And this was actually inspired by a friend of mine who shared with me that she's been vegan for over a month now. And that going vegan has really inspired her to start cooking her own foods because like when you're vegan, you want to eat all these like super delicious foods that sometimes require some home cooking. And she was just telling me how she feels so much more connected to her food. And it got me thinking about this whole idea I have around food sadhana and how I think that food is like a sadhana in itself. And this whole idea for food sadhana actually came from like a few years ago when uh, David had been traveling a lot, David Robson, my teacher that is. So he had been traveling a lot. So he was away from AYCT, our yoga studio. And he did a conference where he talked about the importance of sticking to your sadhana. And he said, you know, I travel a lot. Yes. But even when I'm gone, you should show up because this is your sadhana. This is your practice. And, you know, you should have a sadhana and it doesn't have to be a shtanga. I don't know if he said that. I kind of think he did say that. I think he said, it doesn't have to be a shtanga. A sadhana is something that you do every day, the same thing over and over again, every single day. That's what a sadhana is. And uh, you do it with like devotion and like intentionality and all that. But I remember thinking, "Mm, food, I eat food every day. Food should be my spiritual practice. And I was like kind of joking in my head back then, but now that I've really like deep, taking a deep dive into this world of like Ayurveda and cooking and food, food is totally a sadhana. Food can totally, if we approach it from the right way, from this like different way, it can totally be a sadhana for us. It can totally be a spiritual practice. And um, in fact, Krishnamacharya, who is like the, the father of modern yoga, I guess. He is famous for having said, he was an Ayurvedic doctor as well, by the way. So he was a yoga teacher and an Ayurvedic doctor. And he is famous for having said, food is the first yoga. And he said that we should eat with the same care and attention that we practice asana. And he also goes on to say that the same way that asana can be really helpful for us, or, you know, if we do it kind of wrong or incorrectly, it can be harmful for us, so can food. And so by paying attention to the foods that we eat and by sort of cultivating this like sadhana, like a yogic mindset around food, um, we can hopefully choose foods and approach food in a way that's going to be healing for us because food is medicine. And that's one of the main perspectives of Ayurveda is that we can use food to heal. And I think that cooking is a really special, beautiful way, not only of, you know, connecting to our food really deeply, but it's also a really great way that we can control what goes in our food so that we're making sure that we're making good choices and we're approaching food in a way and eating foods that are going to support that healing. And I want to, before I kind of get into the deep diviness of the content, I just want to say, by no means am I suggesting that you have to be perfect. 
am I suggesting that you have to cook every single meal at home? Every meal has to be organic. Every meal has to be made with like love with like the Gayatri mantra playing in the background. No, that's awesome if you can swing that, but I understand and I recognize that that isn't possible for people all the time, a hundred percent of the time. What I'm suggesting from like a practical perspective is like try on some of these principles. If you can't make every single meal, that's totally cool. I'm going to talk a little bit more in the episode about connecting to your food and being mindful with your food while you're eating it, but try on, you know, notice how you feel when you make your food at home and really use the times you do have to cook your own meals as an opportunity to practice this, to practice your food sadhana, because food sadhana, by the way, guys, is about more than just cooking the food. It's also about eating it, paying attention to how you feel. There's like an element of like grocery shopping. Guys, you know what I love so much? I actually did this this weekend. I spent like an hour and a half going through this new health food store in Toronto. It's called Ambrosia. And uh, they, there's one that's like a 15 minute walk from my house. So I trudged through, it's been really snowy here in Toronto. So I actually trudged through like pretty inclement weather to get to this really beautiful health food store. And for me, that's like a part of the sadhana. Like it was such a, like a therapeutic practice for me. Um, if anyone else is like a big food nerd, like a big health food store, food nerd, um, I feel you. Okay. So I'm going to get into it now. So one of the reasons I think that connecting to our food is so important is that we literally are what we eat literally like it's magic it's alchemy and it's something that we maybe don't feel like we're not aware of sort of surface level but when you think of it what you put into your mouth you chew you break it down and it literally becomes you and i think when we connect to food in that way and the literal magic it is and we understand how therapeutic and healing food can be we might want to make different choices around food that are going to support that healing further, that are going to build up our body and our tissues in a way that is conducive for optimal health and deeper spiritual practice. Like if you're listening to this and you're a yogi, whether you're wanting to go deeper in your asana practice, right? If you want to go deeper in your asana practice, you want to fuel your body with foods that are going to build your tissues in a manner that's going to make your body healthy and strong so that you can be flexible and go into those asanas. So you can hold a handstand so you can put your leg behind your head. That's my like semi goal. And if you're, if your intention in asana or sorry, in yoga is you want to go deeper from a meditative perspective, you want to be choosing foods that are sattvic in nature that are going to lend to that calm, clear mind. And something I spoke about in our last episode was this whole idea around being like the point of practicing Ayurveda alongside a yoga practice is that we become this like clear vessel for a deeper spiritual practice. And it really does start with food. And so when it comes to choosing, you know, the types of foods that you're going to eat, there's this great debate like, okay, like, should I be hundred percent vegan? Should I be vegetarian? Should I be, you know, should I eat any animal products? Well, according to Ayurveda meat specifically animal flesh, as they call it, which I think is like when you call it animal flesh, it sounds so much more like, Ooh, like you don't want to eat it. Cause it's called flesh. Anyways, um, Animal flesh is a tamasic, so it's going to dull the mind um, and it's going to hinder our spiritual progression. And according to Ayurveda, it's also going to build up tissue, yes, more quickly, but of a lesser quality. And so if we're present to, okay, like we literally are what we eat, do I want to be building 
tissues of a lesser quality really quickly? Or do I want to play the long game here and build up these good quality, like sattvic pure tissues by using plant-based foods? Just something to consider. And the other consideration that um, I have around meat is this whole idea of the karma attached to it and the samskaras of that animal. So something my husband and I were talking about the other day was like, there are definitely, by the way, I see this all the time. I think I talked about this in another episode as well, but like, I see this all the time, yogis who go vegan and then they start eating all of these like crazy processed vegan foods, you know, like these fake meats, these, um, the best thing is like dehydrated soy, literally no prana. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's, I, I, I would, by looking at the qualities of it, I would say it's probably tamasic. Like it's a very heavy food. There's really no like nutrition in that. Anyways, you know, these super processed foods, those are tamasic. Like just because you're vegan, if you go and you eat a bunch of processed frozen, like dead food, that's got so many chemicals and you know, it's like all synthetic. Well, that's not building sattvic tissues either. So anyways, but those whole idea around, well, what's more tamasic meat or these sort of literally like dead, fake, synthetic, vegan mock meats. Let's just say for argument's sake, I think that meat would be more tamasic, but let's say they're the same level of tamasic. Meat carries with it this karmic um, baggage, I guess, <laughs> right? So you're not only ingesting like the tamasic quality of that meat, but you're ingesting all of those, like some scars of that animal, the energy of that animal. You're ingesting Animal meat, guys, has tons and tons, especially if you get conventionally grown meats. I'm not talking about really good quality, like local farm fresh, you know, Bob's small farm with his wife, Susan. Like, no, I'm talking like Maple Leaf Farms. That's a Canadian brand. I don't know of, uh, of American brands, but big factory farm animals are often pumped with antibi antibiotics, with hormones, with different toxins. They're not fed the right feed and it makes them really sick. And then you eat the, the flesh of a sick animal, and you think that that is going to build up your tissues, and you think that that is going to, you know, it's like when we get present to that, when we get present to we literally are what we eat. Well, when you eat a sick, dying animal, that's what you become. <laughs> well, you don't become a sick, dying animal, but you know what I mean? It builds your tissue in a way that's in accordance. So I'm not saying, oh, you have to be vegan. I'm saying, actually, if you are going to be consuming animal flesh, be present that like, okay, I am what I eat. Hmm. How do I want to feel? What kind of person do I want to be? What kind of things do I want to literally um, build my tissues? Do I want the sick dying animal or do I maybe want to invest a little bit more money into an animal that's been treated well, to an animal that has you know not been pumped with hormones and antibiotics? Ayurveda is not against the eating of animals. They do not admonish meat eating per se. Um, Ayurveda is very clear that if we are wanting to adopt a yogic diet, we definitely want to adopt a sattvic diet. Um, but if we are consuming meat, because Ayurveda is for everyone, it's not just for yogis. It's not just about attaining spiritual enlightenment. It really is a holistic system of medicine and healing that could be for everybody. And we need to recognize that some people are not at a place in their lives where they want to give up meat or where they're interested in giving it meat, or maybe they don't have that level of awareness where they, you know, where they connect the dots, you know? Um, so in that case, and if that's you, there's nothing wrong with that, by the way, if you don't want to give up animal products, that's okay. That's literally where you're at. That's your choice. I believe that we should all be empowered in choice. My whole vision around this idea of yogi fuel is consciously fueling your body. And so my stand is that you understand the facts, you understand what's happening, and then you choose from a place of genuine power and you can powerfully choose, okay, I'm going to have meats. 
But what I also want to, you know, guide you along is this whole idea of like, okay, if you're going to be eating animal products, I would suggest that you choose animal products that are from happy animals that are going to have a lesser sort of karmic effect that are going to build up your tissues a little bit better than ones that have been treated very poorly. So the next thing I want to talk about is the cooking process. I love cooking. I'm like a total cooking nerd. And one of the biggest things that I struggled with the first few rounds of my Yogi Fuel Academy was that people, people don't love cooking. I forget that. I forget that I'm someone who's like, maybe like an oddball who loves cooking. And for me, it's super meditative. It's like an act of self-care. It's an act of love and expression of creativity for me. Like I just really connect with cooking. I've also recently felt this real like primal energy around cooking. I feel like it's one of the, I don't know, like our ancestors cooked, you know what I mean? Like our ancestors weren't like going on Instagram, but they were cooking and they were connecting to their food, right? So for me lately, I've really been taking on cooking as an opportunity to connect with my food and to connect with myself and to just be super present. And one of the things I've noticed is that we live in this society, this world of disconnect. We're so disconnected from each other, from our food, from ourselves. And I really see cooking as this beautiful opportunity to reconnect and to infuse our food with prana, with life force. And that's one of the main things in Ayurveda that we talk about is that the prana of the cook goes into the food. And so you know how there's that idea of like, "Mm, this food was made with love. No, literally like it is. When you cook your food, you infuse your prana into it. It tastes, it feels energetically, it is different. And I think that's such, that's something that we're really like missing in this world, right? We're living in this world where everything is convenient. Everything is fast food. Everything is, you know, how quickly can I get it done? What if everything was like, how deeply can I connect to this thing? How deeply can I connect to this moment? I noticed for myself too, listen, I try and get cooking done as quickly as possible. I have a little toddler. It is a gong show what I'm trying to cook with her, but a practice I've been trying to take on is like being so deeply in that moment. And this is going like a little bit off topic too, but even in moments when I'm really frustrated with her, you know, or like before I was reporting the, recording this podcast, it's actually 9:42 on a Saturday night. What, what? I live a crazy life people. Okay. But it took me an hour and a half to get her to sleep. That is insane. If you're a parent, you're like, I feel you Mel. And the whole, a lot of that time I was like, Oh, I just want her to go to sleep. Like I just want it to be over. And I think that when we spend a lot of our life You know, if we spend the moments of our life, such as the hour and a half that I tried to put my daughter to sleep, wishing for that moment to be over, well, then all of a sudden we've gone through life and we haven't really been present for those moments, have we? So what if we used cooking, you know, as an opportunity to connect with our food, to be so present with our food, to just be present, like infusing our love, our prana into that food, like like what would that be like? And if you remember back to the five pillars of a yogic diet, which was when I first podcast, um, you know, according to Ayurveda, we want to cultivate prana and there just isn't the same prana or love or care that's put into food that is like mass produced in a restaurant or, you know, in a, even in a whole foods, you know, we love whole foods. I think whole foods is delicious, but is the, you know, chef putting in 
his or her utmost love and prana into their food? Probably not. There is a distinct different energy to the food that we make at home than there is to food that we eat out. Now, does that mean we should never eat food out? No, definitely do that. It's delicious. I love eating food out. It's like so fun and like it's another different great experience. But what I'm saying is that when we are making food at home, if, you know, for me and my family, it's way cheaper for us to eat in. And sometimes it is frustrating to have to cook and it does feel like a chore. But if we bring our presence to it, if we bring our full awareness and attention to what it is that we're doing, it absolutely shifts and changes the prana, not only of the food, but our prana, our energy in that moment, right? We're present. When we're present, when we're here in this moment, exactly as it is, we feel different. We raise our vibration. We're living so much more in alignment with ourselves than when we're resisting the moment. So the other amazing thing about making our food at home and from scratch is that we then get to control exactly what goes into it. And for me, that is such a huge part of cooking at home for me. I am someone who is like a little bit picky about what they eat and I like to know what goes into it. I am someone who wants to eat really clean food. You know, we, me and my husband and my family, we spend most of our money on good quality food. I make most of our food at home from scratch and I want to be someone who knows exactly what goes into it because I know the kinds of ingredients that are in foods that we get out, the different types of, you know, not so health building oils like soybean, vegetable, canola oil. Those are not foods that I really want to be eating. And even some of the so-called health foods that we see in grocery stores have some of these not so great oils. They might have tons of sugar. They might have other, you know, modified ingredients and stuff like that. So for me, making food at home works best. And it's also a really great way if you are familiar with your dosha and you are familiar with like the food qualities and the spices and different things that are going to maybe um, pacify your dosha or support your dosha, you can just infuse a little cinnamon. So if you're a kaffa, you can add like a little bit of cinnamon or like a spice to, you know, a food that you're making at home. If you know that you're having like a big kaffa imbalance or something, you can modify foods that way. You can get creative. For me, food, oh, the thing that I love so much about making food at home, I'm getting all excited now, is like you get to be creative. You get to create whatever you want. So like I love making desserts at home. I can whip up like a delicious dessert in no time. But I get to, you know, tune into my body and say, mm, okay, like, what do I feel like right now? And I get to just create something on the spot. That's not only health building that is, you know, going to incorporate the ingredients or whatever that thing is that I'm sort of craving. I get to honor those cravings in that moment. And I get to make that food at home with love. And I love that. So for me, cooking at home is one of the best ways that I can ensure that the food that I'm eating has exactly what it is that I want in it from like a nutritional perspective, from an energetic perspective. I know I'm putting like the good vibes in my food. Um, and I really love it. And I totally get it. If you're someone who doesn't like making food, if you feel like you don't have enough time to make, you know, these extravagant, elaborate foods at home, first of all, they don't have to be extravagant or elaborate. Literally today, do you want to know what I did? I threw a bunch of vegetables into a frying pan, saucepan, whatever. I sauteed them and I put them over rice with tamari sauce. Like that is not a super elaborate, extravagant meal, but I made it with so much love. And so even if you don't like cooking these crazy fancy meals, you can still make simple meals. Meals don't have to be elaborate and fancy. You don't have to make that peanut butter samadhi cheesecake that I made the other day. 
It was super delicious, by the way, and also really easy. I'm going to post that recipe for you guys. You're going to be like, this is insane, but um, it doesn't have to be crazy. You don't have to have like a ton of skills in the kitchen in order to cook all of your meals. You just have to have a little bit of time and the desire, I think too, right? If you're someone who totally hates cooking, then maybe an option for you is to connect with like a local meal delivery service that is, you know, maybe like a small business that you connect with or something like that. You know what I mean? Maybe you hire like a close friend who you know and you respect and you get them to make your meals for you or something like that. Um, if you're interested in sort of adopting these principles, but you totally hate cooking, that could be one option for you. I would suggest that you like try it on, try on cooking like a practice, work through the discomfort and your dislike of cooking the same way that you would show up in your asana practice and work through your dislike of, I don't know, kapotasana. <laughs> so think of cooking as like your kapotasana, you know what I mean? Okay. I feel like I've talked a lot about the actual cooking aspect of connecting to our food. And now I want to talk a little bit about connecting to our food, like as we eat our food. And I think, again, this is one of the things that it's something I do struggle with as well. Um, I'm not perfect. What? Not that you thought I was. I think I'm pretty open about being like imperfect, but I think that eating and connecting to our food as we eat is so important. It's so important. It's something that we don't do enough of, I think, because again, we live in this busy world where we're eating at our desk. We're eating and responding to emails. We're watching, if you're me, Paw Patrol for the seventh time. I say seventh time, like the seventh round, like we are going through Paw Patrol the whole season, all of the seasons for the seventh time. Anyways, so, <laughs> so yeah, maybe we're oftentimes distracted when we're eating. And so I want to just go over a couple of tips to connect with our food while we're actually eating. So the first thing is put away the distractions. Try not to eat while you're at your desk. Try not to eat and be responding to emails. Try and take even 10 minutes to just sit on your own with your food. You can be talking to people, like totally engage in a conversation with people, but don't be doing like work. Be in like pleasant company, be engaging in lighthearted conversation, chew your food, notice the taste, be with your food. Don't be distracted, especially with something that you don't like, because here's the thing. When we are present with our food, when we're calm and we're in like a stress-free state, when we're eating, that's actually going to improve our digestion. Why you might ask? Because our digestive system works best when it is in a stress-free state. So basically what happens whenever we are feeling stressed out, our sympathetic nervous system gets turned on. Now our sympathetic nervous system is that like fight or flight response. So whether we are stressed because our boss is sending us, you know, an annoying email or because a bear is chasing us, our fight or flight response turns on. And the first thing we're not trying to like digest food when we're running away from a bear. So it turns off our ability to digest food and starts, you know, like putting us in the right frame of mind and body to, you know, fight off danger. Our digestive system works best when our parasympathetic system, nervous system is working. And so when we are present, when we're calm, when we're in the moment, that's when we turn on that like rest and digest parasympathetic nervous system. And so that's the state that we want to be in when we're eating. We don't want to be stressed out. We don't want to be distracted. We want to be mindful. We want to be present. And so that mindfulness, that presence is actually going to support and improve our digestion, which is going to lead to great poops. And that's what we all want. So be mindful when you're eating, be present. It's also going to support you with not overeating. I tend to do this all the time. If I'm watching like a movie or something, 
I'm not even paying attention to what I'm eating. I'm just like shoveling food in my mouth. I'm not even connected to it. I'm just like totally zoned out. And I don't know, for me, like when I, when I look at it objectively, it's like, that's not what I'm committed to. I'm committed to someone, to being someone who's present, who's connected to every moment. But oftentimes then I, you know, I kind of take a step back. I look at my life and I'm like, whoa, I'm actually living in a misaligned state, right? I'm not connected to my food, which is making me not connected to who I want to be. So I think sometimes we need to, it's not a bad thing, by the way, if you're distracted when you're eating and you're like, oh shit, that's me. Oh man, I'm totally like, I totally eat when I'm distracted. I'm totally stressed when I eat. That's fine. You don't need to be perfect. This is a practice. So I talk about food sadhana, right? This is part of your practice. You don't need to be perfect right now. You just need to bring your awareness to the fact that, wow, I'm actually not present when I'm eating and I really want to be because I'm committed to being someone who is really connected deeply to their food, to each moment. And food is such an opportunity for me to be connected. And you know what? I'm going to start putting away my cell phone. I'm going to connect to the people who are around me when I'm eating. I'm going to be present with my food. That's totally one thing that you could do. The other thing you could say is, you know what? I don't really care. (laughs) Um, Though I would assert if you're listening to this, you probably do care. You probably are someone who wants to connect deeply with your food because the title of this podcast would not have attracted you otherwise. So the other thing I think that's so important about connecting to our food as we eat is that it can help us to identify food intolerances or foods that don't agree with us so well. And when I look at the dosha model of Ayurveda, where there are these three distinct doshas and there's this idea as well of like sub doshas or, you know, combinations of doshas, um, where there are specific food lists that are favorable for certain doshas and, you know, dosha combinations and foods that are less favorable. I like to look at those as guidelines because as someone who falls sort of in the middle, I've noticed that some foods at different times of the year, different times of the day, you know, our doshas are constantly in flux. We have all the doshas within us and some are out of balance. Some are aggravated, some are whatever. Um, I like to look at those as guidelines. And then I like to always bring it back to how do I feel, you know, today with a certain food? How do I feel with nut butter today? How do I feel with nut butter tomorrow? Right. I like to just connect in each moment to how I'm feeling and make choices that are in alignment with, you know, what's going on for me right now. And so when we're mindful of how we're eating while we're eating, how we're eating, how we're feeling, sorry, while we're eating. Um, I think it just gives us deeper insight into what's working well for us. And it can also help us with not overeating. One of the big principles of Ayurveda too is eating to about 70 to 80% full. So if we eat until we're so stuffed that there's like no more room in our stomach, our stomach acids and juices don't have the space to properly break down and digest our food. And that's going to have us feeling heavy. It's going to create AMA, AKA toxic buildup, AKA undigested food in the body. And that's, what's going to lead to like disease and feeling tired and sluggish and it's a hugely like tamasic thing that we do when we overeat, we feel so dull and like pulled down. So by paying attention, like I said, while we're eating, it just makes us make better choices. You know what I'm saying? All right. I think that's all I've got for today, guys. I just want to briefly recap all of the things that we talked about. I feel like I went in like a lot of directions, but really what I wanted to highlight for you in this episode is that food is yoga. And I love, I'm going to bring it back to what Krishnamacharya said that food is the first yoga and that we should take care to eat with the same care that we practice our asana in the same way that our asana can either help us or heal us. So too can food and remembering that our food is a sadhana. It is a daily spiritual practice. It is something that we're working on every day. You do not have to be perfect right now. You don't ever have to be perfect. You just need to remember that you are constantly working toward that practice of food. 
So right from, you know, going through the aisles of your favorite health food store or any grocery store to cooking, to actually eating the food. When we are present, when we are connected to food, there is such a deep chronic energetic impact that it has on us. It's not only going to affect, you know, when we're present while we're cooking, it's going to affect the prana of the food. Um, when we are present while we're eating, it's going to support us in making really good decisions about the food that we're eating. And that is going to pay off in dividends in terms of our health and our wellness. So thank you guys so much for listening. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. And as always, if you did, I would be so grateful if you would write a little review and a comment and give this podcast a rating. It helps iTunes know that people are listening and actually, or Spotify, whatever you're listening on and that, you know, people are actually enjoying what I have to say. And if you are not already following me on Instagram for daily inspiration slash recipe updates, you can follow me at Melissa Singh Yogi Fuel. And if you love this podcast, you should also subscribe because every Monday I come out with new amazing episodes. And if you have any ideas or suggestions for episodes or people you want me to interview and talk to, I would love to hear those suggestions. So you can drop me a DM on Instagram, or you can send an email to hello at melissasing.com. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.